gaze at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. Ready to talk about the missing pieces that the San Francisco 49ers needed and then some that they're going to get back. This is going to be a fun conversation because here we are in the midst of the bye week and the San Francisco 49ers are still making moves. Uh, They're still making things happen. And a lot of it has to do with what happened at the trade deadline and the 49ers walking away with Chase Young. Uh, With that comes some big expectations, but some promising thoughts as well. The San Francisco 49ers now have a defensive line that is absolutely stacked. Not like it wasn't good before, but now it's to another level. When you had a guy that was a second overall pick in his draft in 2020, And the ability that Chase Young showed right off the bat being defensive rookie of the year in that same season, you have the potential to add a player that is absolutely game-changing. Nick Bosa already is a game-changer. Now you're adding to that with Chase Young. You already added in the offseason with Javon Hargrave. This is what you uh, dream about when you're putting together teams, right? If you were doing a fantasy-type draft stuff and you ended up with this defensive line, that consists of Bosa, Hargrave, Chase Young, and Eric Armstead, you'd be very excited. The scary part is there's another first-round pick sitting there as a rotational piece in Javon Kinlaw, a very talented player uh, in Randy Gregory, who you just picked up uh, from Denver for, from a, for a sack of peanuts. Uh, didn't really cost you anything. And then you've got also... Another really talented player in Cleveland Farrell, a former fourth overall pick. The defensive line is stacked. Now, have they been able to meet expectations as far as finishing with sacks? No. Uh, But if you go back and you watch the game film against the Cincinnati Bengals, it wasn't for lack of trying. There was definitely pressure being put on by Nick Bosa. They were continuing to double Hargrave, and they were trying to limit the opportunities the 49ers defensive line had to get home. But the 49ers go nuclear. They say, hey, this is what we're going to do. We are going to absolutely put one of our uh, strengths at an even higher level and get Chase Young. Chase Young has the ability to be absolutely spectacular in this 49ers defense. And why is that? Because now it gets easier and easier for these players to get singled up situations one-on-one matchups is going to be a foot for the San Francisco 49ers defensive line. When that happens, it makes it more difficult for offensive linemen to get to linebackers. It makes it more difficult for offensive coordinators to plan on how to stop these guys, how to neutralize them, how to chip, how to check. Everything gets more complicated with one player being added to the mix. And I'm excited to talk about the missing pieces on defense when it comes to Chase Young and the missing pieces on offense when it comes to two all-pro guys coming back in Debo Samuel and Trent Williams. But the last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college football, basketball is ready to go as well. 
Bet online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing. Bet online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, this is the move that the 49ers made. And a lot of people uh, were definitely disappointed when Montez Sweat went to the Chicago Bears, feeling like the 49ers had missed the opportunity to go ahead and add to that defensive line. And there are some that have the belief that the 49ers should never have added defensive line. Why? It wasn't a need. Uh, you don't need defensive line. You need secondary. You need offensive line. That was kind of the going and growing trend of people uh, that are all over Twitter, that are kind of fans that are in part of the Facebook groups. Uh, that is the constant mantra of most. As much so as I've already seen people saying, we need to draft a cornerback in round one. It is one of the most interesting things I've seen is kind of the dynamic of how people see football uh, through their own lens. But John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have a very specific way that they see football through their lens. And a lot of it sur is surrounded by how they approach football coming out of Tampa Bay. With John Lynch, he was a player that saw the way that that defense played and how they put together a winning culture and a winning defense that was built on the defensive line first. Knowing that as a defensive back in the NFL, if you had a very good defensive line that could consistently bring pressure, it made your job a lot easier. John Lynch knew that was the way to build a team. Of course, he played behind Warren Sapp and Simeon Rice, two of the best to do it. You had a linebacker in Derek Brooks, who was one of the best to do it. Uh, you had really good cornerbacks along the way, including Rondé Barber, and then John Lynch, of course, himself. So you find strategic places where you can have these great players, but it all started up front. Now you insert Kyle Shanahan, and he goes through the Tampa Bay pipeline, starting as a quality control coach uh, there in Tampa Bay, working with John Gruden, but going into all the defensive meetings that are there. He's sitting in rooms uh, with Monty Kiffin and some of the best defensive minds that would be spread around the NFL. And he learned that that's exactly the same process that all of them believed. You want to go with a defensive line first. It all starts up front. And that's how the 49ers have built their roster. So when they were going to make a move at the trade deadline, and they've had one-fourth of their starting defensive unit that hasn't been great at rushing the passer, you knew they were going to make a significant move if they could along that front. Chase Young is the perfect kind of player for the 49ers to insert into their defensive line. And why do I say that? Well, he's big. He's strong. He's fast, which I know you want for anything. But his capabilities to do a lot of things is very important, right? His multiple uh, ways that he can attack an offensive tackle make it more difficult to limit him. In this league, you'll get a lot of guys that are completely predicated on speed. They get around the outside, and they bend the corner, and they win. You have some guys that don't have that speed and are all predicated on power. They get into your chest. If they're able to, they can drive you back and walk you back into the quarterback. There are select few, though, in this league that have the capabilities to do both. Those are the guys that are absolutely elite. The guys like Nick Bosa, 
the guys like Khalil Mack, the guys like TJ Watt, those guys are able, and oh, how did I forget Miles Garrett, are able to not only bend the corner with a great first step and speed to get around and a good offensive tackle, but also the ability to go right into them and walk them into the quarterback. Now, all of a sudden, when you throw in a plethora of different pass rushing moves and the ability to spin back inside with the athletic ability to potentially chase and run down a quarterback, you get an elite caliber player. That's what the 49ers are adding to their roster with Chase Young, an elite caliber player. Now, have we seen him reach his full potential in the NFL? No. Has he played for a defensive line coach like Chris Kacarek? No. And I think that's what the 49ers are kind of counting on, is imagine Chase Young now playing with this defensive line front and for this defensive line coach. You fully expect them to take the next step. That's why I believe he's one of the missing pieces to the San Francisco 49ers' upcoming success. That's right. I'm already saying it. The 49ers are going to turn this thing back into winning football. And Chase Young's a big reason why. When you have a player of his caliber, you now put offenses on notice. And here's the thing. If you want to be an offensive coordinator and you want to be bullish and you want to continue to double-team Javon Hargrave, have fun. Because what we're going to do is we're going to turn Chase Young and Nick Bosa loose. Right now, it was just Nick Bosa against single coverage on the outside. The other guy wasn't winning. So you expected Bosa to be the one that win, but Cleveland Farrell hadn't won consistently. Randy Gregory's been here just a little bit, so we haven't seen enough from him. Greg Jackson hadn't won consistently. So you didn't have that constant force. Well, now all the pressure's not on Bosa to win every single snap. Do you want him to win every single snap? Absolutely. But now the times that he doesn't, might be the times Chase Young wins. That was what was so great about when they had D Ford, is D Ford had a lot of speed coming off the edge, had plenty of power to be able to get underneath a tackle and drive them back. But when he didn't get home, Bosa did. When Bosa didn't get home, D Ford did. And when neither one of them could, the other interior defensive lineman did it. So now it's just like the offense is pick your poison. Who do you try to stop from play to play? Do you chip Nick Bosa? Do you chip Chase Young? What does that mean for the interior defensive line of the 49ers? Does that mean more opportunities for Hargrave and Armstead? Yes, 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 and yes. You're going to get so much more out of it. Also, you get versatility now because Cleveland Farrell has been your starting defensive end since day one. Now he's a rotational piece. He's really good against the run. So that means you have a, a very good and accomplished backup behind Chase Young. You also had Randy Gregory, who can now bring edge defense as well behind Nick Bosa. A solid rotation. Same with the interior, Kinlaw and Givens. The 49ers now have the depth they need at defensive line and the ability they need at defensive line to consistently put pressure on quarterbacks. But not only in the pass rush game. Chase Young is a three-down defensive end. And you're going to hear some people tell you that he's not that great against the run. I beg to differ. I think he's a really good player against the run. He plays with great leverage. He has heavy hands. He keeps his outside arm free against plays on the edge. He's able to take on those trap plays and squeeze it down and really stop him. I think Chase Young's going to be good in that category. Another thing I like about him is how good he plays against read option. He does a very good job with his reads. 
He's very quick. He has fluid hips. He's able to change direction very fast. One of the things the 49ers have struggled with is those players out on the edge getting beat and leveraged to the sideline by quarterbacks and running backs. Chase Young is going to help with that. But also, if there's a play going away from him, he can absolutely run it down from behind. So now you've got an attacking defensive end on both sides and attacking defensive tackles from the interior. The 49ers put together a missing piece right here with Chase Young. And I heard all the remarks, but everyone wants a cornerback. Everyone wants a defensive back. And you're not wrong. The 49ers would love to improve in the secondary as well. Why not? Anytime you can improve a position, you go ahead and you do it. But when it comes to the secondary, Chase Young will improve the secondary. You're asking how? Well, number one, it creates more pressure on the quarterback. Quarterback has to get rid of the football quicker. It means the secondary doesn't have to cover as long. What it also means is that the Fortiniers can take more chances in the back end. They can run tighter coverage right now with their cornerbacks and leave less space underneath for them to catch the football because now you're counting on that defensive line to get home. I think before you were just making sure you limited explosives, tried to tackle underneath, make plays, and just make offenses play perfect football. Can they consistently complete those third down passes? And when you've played the teams that don't have elite quarterbacks like Pittsburgh and the Giants and the Arizona Cardinals uh, and the Dallas Cowboys, it worked. When you played teams that had elite quarterbacks like Matthew Stafford, he was able to get it done for a half. And Joe Burrow was able to get it done for a, a lot during the first half. In the second half, it was a little bit more hit and miss. But they definitely made it more difficult on the 49ers defense. So Chase Young is absolutely going to help the back end. They're going to be able to play more aggressive. They're going to be able to come after uh, these wide receivers in open space. What they're going to try to do now is they're going to get more defined reads. They're going to take away read one and two from uh, the quarterback, knowing that by concept, take away to read one and two, your, your defensive line should be able to get home. And if they are capable of getting home, you're either going to get a sack or they're going to throw the ball into the kill zone where you want them to throw the ball in a check down, then you're going to make the tackle. Those are exactly what they're going to try to do every single play now. And I've heard the question marks. You know, we've even heard criticisms of Charverius Ward, and I think Charverius Ward's playing good. Talk about a guy that consistently goes against the best wide receivers in the league. I think him and Diomino Lenore have done a really good job, in fact. And I've heard the questions about Isaiah Oliver. Well, let me say this. Isaiah Oliver is one of the best uh, players right now against the run in the NFL from the nickel corner spot. He made 10 tackles in this football game. And I get it. He got beat for two touchdowns. And I went back and watched him. The second touchdown that he gave up to Jamar Chase, absolutely on him. He jumped inside, and he, he tried to make a play, thought it was going to be a screen. They took advantage of him over the top. Tip your cap, great play. Isaiah Oliver, not the best moment, right? Trying to make a play. He's trying to fly up there, do something. So it's not exactly a great play from Isaiah Oliver. He's got to take that one into consideration, make sure he doesn't get dirty eyes. The other touchdown, though, the first touchdown of the game, the throw to Tyler Boyd, I'll tell you what, I don't know how many cornerbacks that are nickel corners in this league make that play. That is a tough play. They're running trips bunch. Tyler Boyd is off the ball. You can't press him. The other guys vacate, and they leave a one-on-one -on -one situation for Isaiah Oliver with plenty of room to get to the sideline. 
Normally, when you have an opportunity on a deep fade like that, you're hoping you can use this sideline as a second defender. But with the way they ran their formation, it gave so much room that Isaiah Oliver had to play and make sure the play the boy didn't go inside and try to stop him from going outside. In the end, he had great coverage. He's right on him, and the ball just goes over his hand. Are we really holding that against Isaiah Oliver? I mean, that is a difficult play for any cornerback in this league. It was great coverage. It's just a really good throw by a really, really good quarterback. Some of the other quarterbacks we talked about, they probably can't make that throw. That's probably not a touchdown, Isaiah Oliver. So, yes, one really bad play and one that he was right there. It was great tackling underneath. I think the coaches are watching the film and they're not as concerned about Isaiah Oliver as I think a lot of people are. But I think Chase Young's going to help Isaiah Oliver. He's going to help those deep, those slot fades. He's going to take those away. You know who all struggled with slot fades? K1 Williams, Jimmy Ward. It's just a problem in the defense. It's a problem in every defense around the league. You get those matchups one-on-one, -on -one, those are tough to stop. But Chase Young will help that. I think he's a missing piece of this defense. Everyone's been talking about it since before training camp ever started. The San Francisco 49ers needed a legitimate edge rusher opposite of Nick Bosa, and they got it with Chase Young. Now, on the offensive side of the football, it's going to be interesting. But a lot of people were like, hey, we need to make a move. We need to, we need to bring someone in, an extra wide receiver. But you have two all-pro players coming back. You have Trent Williams and you have Debo Samuel. How significant are they as missing pieces to your roster? Hugely significant. And why is that? Well, first off, Debo Samuel's an absolute weapon. He can do it all. He can run the football. He can catch the football. He can block. He puts so much stress on a defense to find him and figure out where he's going to be going and what he's going to be doing because he's also got the most... Uh, you know, game-breaking ability of any 49ers player on offense. And I've been pretty consistent about this. When you think about the people that explode and have these big-time touchdowns, you see it from McCaffrey sometimes. You see it from Kittle sometimes. For whatever reason, Ayuk doesn't really have game-breaking big-time touchdowns. They'll have big catches usually come short of the end zone. They're good plays, right? Ayuk makes big plays, but not usually game-breaking touchdowns. Debo Samuel, on the other hand, game-breaking touchdowns. He's dangerous. He's scary. He brings intensity. He blocks at a high level. He runs over people. Debo brings attitude to the 49ers offense. Before Debo Samuel got hurt, 49ers were averaging 34 points a game. After Debo Samuel got hurt, they averaged 17. Debo Samuel is a big reason why this 49ers offense is as successful as it is. Part of the allure of having Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey on the field at the same time is the effect that it has on a defense. If you're a defense, what do you do? If you're a defensive coordinator, who do you focus on? Christian McCaffrey? That's probably smart. He scored 17 touchdowns in 17 games, right? Or 17 straight games he scored a touchdown. That's pretty ridiculous. McCaffrey's really good. But imagine if there's another guy, right? You're playing chess, and imagine the other player's got two queens. They can just move every which way they want. They can go diagonally. They can do whatever they want. That's what Kyle Shanahan has. He's been playing without one of those pieces. He's been playing without a big piece in his offense because 
he knows just the movement of Debo. Even with the ball out of his hands, just the movement of Debo affects everyone on defense. Eyes, body movement, location where they're going to set up, the, amount, the ability to create open area. But why is Debo so important for the 49ers, and why is he the, the big missing piece you know, for the 49ers as far as schematically? Because he forces you to cover every single blade of grass. You talk to any offensive coach in the entire league or any offensive coach that coaches football, the main goal and main objective is to space the defense out to make them cover as much grass as you can. You want to spread them out horizontally, which creates opportunities there. You want to spread them vertically, which creates more opportunities. And if you can spread a team horizontally and vertically, that's when you are really dangerous. What did the Cincinnati Bengals do in this game? Well, most of the time they came up and they had everyone within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. We haven't seen that since Jimmy Garoppolo was quarterback of the 49ers. Even last year, they tried that on Brock Purdy and he beat it. Well, now without Debo Samuel, they're thinking about it a little bit. Maybe they'll go single high, put that guy deep, play everyone else underneath an eight-man box and try to limit the 49ers run game. You can't do that with Debo. And why? Because all you have to do is flip the ball out to him in the open space in a quick little bubble screen. Debo will do the rest. You want to keep eight guys in the box? Better hope one of them can run him down. If not, he's going to be sitting in the end zone dancing. That's how important he is and how much stress he will put out. So what happens as soon as Debo shows up? Eight-man boxes might not exist anymore. All of a sudden, that guy's out there trying to split the difference between being out there to limit Debo Samuel's effectiveness and trying to help in the run game. What does that do? That gives George Kittle and, and Jawan Jennings better angles to block. It just makes it easier. Oh, you want to create separation for Brandon Ayuk to run a, a hook play to the middle of the field or a drag. All you have to do is, is send Debo an exit motion, separation, uh, movement created. Lots of area to be able to throw. Oh, you want to create space for Christian McCaffrey to run the ball to the right side. Motion Debo out. He's going to get somebody going with him. He's going to get a safety dropping a little bit. Next thing you know, space for Christian McCaffrey to run. The effect that Debo Samuel has without the ball in his hand could be the greatest effect of any player pre-snap in the entire NFL. And I don't even think that's hyperbole. I think that's just the truth. Debo Samuel is that kind of weapon. I think the closest thing to what he does is probably Tyree Kill. They just don't move him as much, but he's that dangerous as well. Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan know what it means like to move players from one side to the other. The amount of shifts, the, sh the adjustments that a defense has to make. Well, right now they're adjusting to George Kittle, Jawan Jennings, sometimes Christian McCaffrey. Starting in Jacksonville, they're probably going to have to start adjusting to Debo again. And it's going to open some things up. And you know why the run game is going to get going? It's not just Debo Samuel, but Trent Williams. The 49ers are the most effective running to the left side behind Trent Williams. He's an all-pro beast offensive tackle for a reason. The dude's a savage. And he's a big reason why the 49ers run game hasn't been as effective. Because normally, you don't have to worry, if you're George Kittle, about giving help to an offensive tackle. Uh, normally Trent just handles it. You just give a little check and you move to second level. 
Over the last three weeks going through film, I've seen George Kittle, Dewan Jennings, and Kyle Juszczyk struggle to finish on second-level blocks, to finish on edge blocks. And a lot of that is because they're trying to give extra help to Jalen Moore and Colt McKivitz. Well, guess what? If Trent Williams is in there, you don't have to do that anymore. Now you can go back to doing what you wanted to do on the edge to take advantage of that edge defender, whether that is kicking him out and creating a void in that C-gap or hooking him and then running outside. I look for the run game to take a big uptick with both Debo and Trent Williams being involved. When the run game gets going, that's going to help Brock Purdy because that means it's going to open some more defined throws down the field. That's going to help George Kittle get open. It just has a ripple effect through the entire offense. But then when you're running the football on offense, it also has a ripple effect on defense. Why these missing pieces are so effective and so important. You start running the football, next thing you know, your defense isn't on the field as much. Which means Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, Fred Warner, Trey Greenlaw. Secondary, they're not on the field as much. Less snaps mean fresher players. More intense players. What did Kyle Shanahan say? These players look tired. They look sluggish. They've been on the field a lot. But if you establish a run game, it changes things, both offensively and defensively. Now all of a sudden, the defense is making plays, flying around, creating interceptions and turnovers that the offense can then take advantage of with short fields. Everything is a ripple effect when it comes to football. Things marry together very nicely. Or as defense, you have to make sure you're in your gaps in the run game. Not just defensive line, but linebackers, secondary who have gap responsibilities have to be there. You have to be lined up correctly. If you're not, you're misaligned. You're going to create an opportunity for the offense with angles and blocking. Everything has to marry together. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's all been perfect because Steve Wilkes hasn't married some of these things together. There's been some weaknesses between defensive line linebacker, and defensive backs. Missed tackles have also been a problem. But it's a lot harder to make tackles when you're out of position in the first place, right? What, what is a missed tackle? There's some of these that have been open field that, yeah, Hufanga should have made a tackle in the open field. That would have been big. Trey Greenlaw could have had a tackle in the open field. Those ones could have got people off, you know, off drives. Armstead could have had a sack. Like, there's a lot of big plays where you have missed as far as tackles. But sometimes it is because they're a half man or a full man out of position. So they're not able to get there and make that tackle that they really should be making. Maybe the defensive lineman was out of position because of alignment that he was instructed to be in and he shouldn't have been. Now the offense has an angle where they can take advantage of him and take him out of the play and get their run game going. Over these last three weeks, I think that's been a big part of it. And they're going to have to fix that. But they have the time right now during the bye week to fix schematic problems. And I expect them to. You know what helps schematic problems? When you start putting the other team in the onus of they're the ones who have to do something. You dictate what they have to do. Because now with these weapons coming back, whether that's Chase Young on the defensive side of the ball or Debo and Trent Williams on offense, you are now changing it back to you become the bully. It's time for the 49ers to take back that swag. Become that bully. You know, Impose your will on the opposing team. We're coming after you. We're bringing four. We're bringing our best four defensive linemen every single play. Good luck stopping us. On offense, we have too many weapons. As Brandon Ayuk would say, we got too many dudes. You're not going to be able to stop us. We're coming after you. 
We're going to get the ball to Debo. We're going to get the ball to McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk. We're going to get the ball to George Kittle. Multiple looks on offense. Multiple looks on defense as far as coverage. It's time for the 49ers to be the aggressor. And now they have the necessary pieces to do so. But was it the, the pieces that everyone expected? Was it the big-time cornerback? No. But you know what? This move should help that secondary. This move should help that linebacker core. This move should help that run defense. And I think it's going to. And as far as on the other side of the football, Ebo and Trent are huge. You're adding two all-pro players to your offense. I think sometimes that gets lost in translation. Why isn't the offense as effective? We're scoring 30-plus points. Dude, there's no Trent. There's seven points right there, right? Your run game gets going a little bit better. Maybe when you're on the goal line, you're not throwing it, you're running it. Oh, oh, you know, why, why are we not scoring 30? There's another seven with Debo Samuel. Going to make a play. He's going to move without the football and open something up for somebody else. Going to get easier. Every time you add one of these players, it gets easier for the players around them. Now, all of a sudden, in the run game, you don't have to help the left tackle. Now, in the passing game, you don't have to help the left tackle. You don't have to help the left tackle. Less chips for receivers and tight ends. You don't have to chip that defensive end. Now, they can give help back to Colton McKivitz. It's just a cause and effect. Every time you add a player, it makes a big deal. You're only as good as your, your best 11. And every time you lose one of those guys, it diminishes how good you can be. So when you're, you got all your guys, you're tough to beat. And I think the 49ers just went huge and got Chase Young. I love this move. And I know I jumped back and forth between offense and defense, but they really are married together. Same with special teams. 49ers have to make some decisions. Brian Snyder's got to make sure that they limit returns. That was a big play in the Bengals game. 49ers go down, score a touchdown, tie the game up, answer Joe Burrow's touchdown, and then they give up a big kickoff return. Special teams has had up and down moments. They've got to play good. We need all these guys together. Complimentary football if the 49ers are going to catch and pass the Seahawks and Eagles. Is it out of the question? No, it's not. This is a definite capability and possibility for the 49ers. You know what Chase Young is really good at doing? Playing against Jordan Mailata from the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, yeah. He's good. He's going to be able to help us a big time with the Eagles. And now we're going to have the rotation to do it. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about these missing pieces, whether they, you know, Chase Young came in in the draft, or I'm sorry, in the trade, or the way the 49ers are using, going to use Debo and Trent Williams as they come back. You don't have to worry about no fires anymore at Levi Stadium. You don't have to worry about anything like that happening. Now you have to worry about the 49ers being the aggressors. 49ers dictating tempo. The 49ers going out there and making plays. Steve Wilkes has got to button this thing up, and the 49ers have to make sure they're schematically correct. But they now have the missing pieces that they need back with Debo and Trent and coming in with Chase Young to be a championship team in 2023. It's Super Bowl or bust for the San Francisco 49ers. They have the pieces. They just need to go do it. Is Brock Purdy good enough? Yes. Do they have enough weapons on offense? Yes. Do they have enough on the offensive line? Yes. Do they have enough in the defensive secondary? Yes. Go watch the film. It'll support it. You don't believe me? Head on over to Patreon. I go through all the film breakdowns. Don't want to listen to my film breakdown? Go listen to Johnny Dell's. Go check out John Chapman. There's plenty of film breakdowns out there that you can check out. Go listen to Brian Baldinger. I'm telling you right now, the 49ers have the potential to do this. 
these three weeks will not define this team. They're going to go out there and they're going to prove some things. So it's going to be exciting when they get to Jacksonville. Will they be able to right the ship? I think they will. It's going to be fun to watch, uh, you know, Chase Young out there, Debo back out there making plays, bringing his aggressive style as a protector of this 49ers offense. So thank you guys for watching. Thank you for uh, listening as well. Give it a like. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you're listening on audio platform, 49ers Cutback on Believe. Of course, this episode brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. And just like always, there'll be plenty of content coming out this week. Notice the bye week. There's still plenty to talk about. Thank you all for joining me. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, stay safe. And remember the right way is always the 49ers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.